goodness. Is the MCU in shambles? I don't know. We'll talk about that next week because it's a DC episode. I think Kevin Feige probably asks himself every day that when he looks at himself in the mirror. Oh, hey, Kevin. Looking good today. Get that baseball cap on. Put a smile <laughs> on your face and then say, is the MCU in shambles? All right. <laughs> All right, let me know okay, when you're, we're, when you're we're ready. We're just going to skip the credits and get right know, into yeah. I didn't know John Williams later. was in the room. Uh, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of DC Digest. Uh, presented to you by me, Tim Duncan, Spencer Price, and Cole Harris. Uh, just a little mm-hmm. bit of um, cultural news to where we, we are at right now is the last uh, Oklahoma Bedlam ever. And uh, so go Pokes. Um, I'm obliged <laughs> to say go Pokes because I go to school there. So whatever. <laughs> I was raised to play them again. I don't really care that much anymore, but it'll be the last one ever. I thought they were Uh, already in a different league. uh, OU's going to SEC next year. Next year? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so... so they just lost to KU, so it doesn't really bode well for them (laughs) anyway. I'm not not an OU fan. I'm a KSU fan. So I'm Uh, mad and happy that KU won. So this week, uh, this week's been a pretty good week for content. We got fifth episode of Loki, and we will talk about that after episode it's the six. Next episode, some, sometime, it's yeah, the next one. And uh, we also got uh, the first episode of Invincible season two, part one. Oh, not, not actually it. sure how they're labeling that. Uh, and needless to say, I am sad. After that episode, wow, a lot of emotions. Uh, and w- today we're going to be talking about something unrelated to both of those. We're going to be talking about Superman, one <laughs> and two, primarily one of those, uh, primarily the Richard Donner cut and um, the Richard so, Donner Superman movies. Yes, of which there there are two. But there's also one and a half. Yes. And the the first one came out in 79. The second one came out, depending on where you are in the world, came out in 80 or 81. And uh, so we're going to we're going to have a, um, a fun little time reviewing these. Um, are are so, these movies good? Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Give you an opinion. Um, are these movies fun? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. And, of course uh, they are. <laughs> we're just going to jump right in. If you don't know what Spencer's opinion is yet, I don't know what podcast you're listening to. <laughs> I love these. I do realize they're chocked full of weird things. But... Who would like to begin? Superman 1. 
I I think I have a hard time with this movie separating I think also it from we should is this your first time seeing it Tim? Yes. So it was Cole's first the for first Superman well. movie I saw was Superman Returns, which is a weird place to begin. But my parents was very adamant Superman 2 is bad and I didn't know there was another one before that. Um or two more until, after. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Superman Two's bad. Uh, was there a Superman One? We don't talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I really watched Superman Three, and then is there five? <laughs> okay, Superman Returns is sort of Superman Five. Yeah. Oh, that's five. Golly, I slipped a lot. But, yes, <laughs> but it's kind of also Superman Three. It's a bit of a Terminator oh, situation, Tim. Yeah. Because um, there was Superman 3. three and four are so bad. Superman four Superman was like the quest for peace. life or something like that. The quest for, for peace. peace. The quest for life day. No. Um. So, yeah. So, okay. Should I give it? Should I give the listeners some background? Did that don't. Know? I would love some background because I don't know what. So, I also, watch. you. Okay. <laughs> Cole, you just watched Superman Return, so when I get there, you might want to fill in because it's I been. Watched I watched some of Superman. You watched some of the, <laughs> the part that I, it. the part that I care about. Um, did you get to the part about real estate? I can't remember. It, Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor brings yes. it back to real estate. Yeah, um, I think so. Which makes it a classic Superman story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so the first one. So basically, they, they started the first one with Richard Donner. Of course, as Cole and I know him, he's Dick Donner. Because, yeah, because uh, we're all friends. Because we're all friends. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Is that, that when we get to the... joke? No. It's the beginning yes. of... It's so the introduction we... by Dick Donner. Yeah, there's an introduction by Dick Donner for the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. Where basically, it's on the DVD. He goes, well, you know... Um, my name's Dick Donner. Well, my name's Richard Donner, but my friends call me Dick, and you're my friends too because you're he's really this. chill about it. He's yeah, he's like, because you made this happen. Um, anyway, so he came on to do Superman one. They actually filmed one and two back to back. Um, but about two thirds of the way through the second one, they kicked him out, and I think it was because of creative differences. It could have been a few things. Um, there are some problems happening with Marlon Brando and some, Gee, I wonder how that happens. There's a lot of chaos on the set of Superman two. Um, and so they brought on Richard Lester, who's a comedy filmmaker, but all of these movies are made by people that don't really understand comics, except for Christopher Reeve. Um, and so, yeah, so then Superman 2 was finished, but it was like kind of all over the place because the Richard Lester stuff was really different tonally than the original stuff they filmed for Richard Donner. Um, so yeah, that happened. It made enough money to greenlight a third one, which is the Richard Pryor one. Um, I know almost nothing about it, except it's very, very bad. But there's a cool scene where Christopher Reeve fights an evil version of himself, some kind of mind, just like, all in his head type dream sequence thing. That's so bizarre. very entertaining. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. Evil Christopher Reeves is fun. It's a cool scene. You could watch it on YouTube if you wanted. Um, then Supergirl happened and it was trash. I mean, the budget, all of these is just budget dropping 
intensely over the course of the 80s. So the third one had a lower budget, really bad. I mean, they used the same, they used some of the same flight shots as the first two movies. Yikes. And they started recycling those. Um, so they made a Supergirl movie that's really bad and really confusing. Um, almost no connection except Jimmy Olsen's in it for some reason. Um, that one didn't even release in theaters. That one's like cursed. I wouldn't watch that one. Um, and then Superman, well, Christopher Reeve was like, we can make one more. We really need to get back to the roots of what made the first one and the second one good. I'll do it. I'll Christopher do it, Eve, I'll do it who, myself. Which Christopher Reeve, pretty much, he pretty much pulled a Tom Cruise, Tim. He pretty much had to get both of his hands on the wheel of that movie to try to make it good. But Christopher Reeve does not have what I would, what the Tom, what he didn't have what Tom Cruise. I don't think he had as much idea of what makes a good film as Tom Cruise does. Not saying Tom Cruise makes perfect films either, but um, so yeah, Superman Four: Quest for Peace happened, and it's also bad, but maybe it's better than the third one, depending on who you talk to. Um, bunch of years passed by. Right in the middle of filming X Men: The Last Stand, Brian Singer got an offer to make Superman Returns. He said peace to the trilogy he had start he had built for two movies already, and he took James Marsden with him. Um. Not to play Superman, which is like, what's the point of that? So Superman Returns, it's, it is a sequel. It's like a sequel to the Christopher Reeve movies in a, many, many ways. So Kevin Spacey's playing almost the exact same Lex Luthor of Gene Hackman. Almost. And pretty close. There's I was some get, Kevin Spacey-ness into it that I, I was love. getting some major, and I don't know if either, I don't think either of you House will of get cards? this. No, 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 no. Get this reference, but some major Dr. Evil vibes. Mm, he probably like, does have a few of those moments. I really have only seen bad. it twice. Um, and then Brandon Routh is doing the best impression of Christopher Reeve that exists. And it's still not perfect. But also who's, the suit. Who's I just Marston don't... play? He plays Lois's Lois husband. Not husband. Not husband. Not boyfriend. Her fiance. fiance but they yes. have children together. So it's like Superman 4. But it still takes place in 2007. And Lois is the same age essentially. And it's all like new people. So it's it's a spiritual sequel I guess is what they would call it. But I don't think it really addresses three and four at all. Except, except for it does. Uh, there, it's kind of a reference to four. Because remember, we talked about this and how at the end of four, that some scientists found the remnants of Krypton, and oh yes, Superman does say to Lex Luthor, "See you in twenty years," and the movie comes out twenty years after. Quest for Peace. Quest for Peace. Oh, okay. So I guess it is a it is a sequel to the fourth one, but it's kind of. So Cole, Lois is the, again. Is Lois is in, the same age. In Quest for Peace, uh, Superman finds Gallifrey, and then in Superman Returns, Gallifrey is gone again. Correct. That makes sense. I don't know who Gallifrey is. Doctor Who Who finds Gallifrey and then it disappears and finds it and then disappears and it's a continuous thing. It's in a portal dimension. (laughs) 
Oh, and then Superman also has a son and Superman returns. I don't think anyone liked that storyline. Oh, yeah. That's where I got where he smashed the piano on the bad guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could have had a son with her. That is how Superman 2, the theatrical cut, ends. But he does he fall in love with Lois again after Superman 2? I don't know. I actually think it's kind of surprising that in Superman Returns... Uh, his son is uh, Superman has a son because I don't think could be wildly wrong here because I don't actually know Superman comics very well but I don't think he has a son that much in comics during that time yeah it might have set the stage for that he has clones but no sons sure Superman has every power in the comics (laughs) Oh, I meant like Superboy's a clone. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I'm forgetting about the Donner cut. So a lot of people have been acclaiming for probably 20 years, really as soon as the second Superman came out, to release the Donner cut. Um, And it was kind of the first Snyder cut, but a much longer movement. And so kind of to get people ready for Superman Returns and just to make a little more money, I think, they decided to create the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, which is not as easy as the Snyder cut because they had to find footage from 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. Um, And they found a bunch of it, were able to restore a lot of footage. um, And they had to kind of mix with, they had to mix in Lester's cut a little bit to make it complete movie. Um, But as Dick says, it's as close to the original, his, his, original vision for Superman 2 as is humanly possible. And it has a few changes that we'll get into. But that all being said, Superman 1. So I just want to start off Superman 1 by saying this is already a better movie than The Flash because it has a real baby. (laughs) Oh no. Do we see too much of that baby? Yes. Correct. But they did that in Man of Steel, too. That was a callback was we needed to happen. Uh, on on Krypton? Yes. And I was wondering if Tim would notice that. Cole's like, I didn't notice he said that in the first one. And then we watched the second one. They have been crimes against the planet Krypton. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. Every single person on Krypton says Krypton. And then Superman. Superman later like the second half of the movie is like krypton well that's because it christopher reeve knows the source material more than anyone on the set i guess but it, that, that's the truth like because zod says krypton as well we we noticed that in the second one um i think it's really just intriguing how they developed Krypton, and I think it did somewhat influence later depictions of Krypton. Like Superman the Animated Series kind of strikes a in between of the Krypton and the Richard Donner movies, and the Krypton from the comics does a bit of both in that regard. Um, I think it's a little too cold and dead, but the model work and stuff <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, I, I would say the model work uh, in most of this movie is really good. Uh, I um the the clothing of Krypton's 
Krypton Indians. Very Tron. Is, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very late 70s, early 80s. Um, I don't, I don't like it, but at the same time for this movie, I think I like it. Um, having yourself clothed in aluminum foil, it's a clothing choice. Um, I think it's, it's a good sign though to make, they feel very non-Earth. Yeah. None of them, even Jarrell, they feel very alien in terms of their, just the, how they carry themselves and the personality. Um, and also I think, in my, in yeah. my head canon, um, this Superman movie is, uh, in the same universe as Power Rangers and the council on Krypton is, uh, or Zordon was a member of the council. Um, it's the same, same model. <laughs> I have this, I just thought of this. I think there's like a scale of uh, humanity or like f- just feeling like a person-esque-ness of Krypton in different iterations of okay. Superman. So Superman uh, Superman and Lois, Krypton, and Jor-El is like super, super relatable human, doesn't really feel like it's out there. And I would say this is the other end of the spectrum. It's like super cold, super weird. That's just Marlon Brando's bad acting, but it works. Um, and and then the the middle is Man of Steel. Like I think Zack Snyder struck both ends of it, where he's like Krypton is its own thing. Zod is like it's, it's definitely definitely alien. There's definitely an alienness to them, um, but there's some humanity to them too, which is what Jarrell and his and Lara in that iteration does. We talked about Man of Steel a million years ago on this podcast, yes. so you can go back. We've done a lot of DC movies, just not under the DC Digest show format. Um, but it's a good throwback if you want to go listen to that. I noticed a few things. Uh, I noticed on this watch, because I've seen this first one a bunch of times, like not as many times as Kevin Feige has, but probably pretty close. Um, but I just now noticed that the S-crest of the Jarrell family in Man of Steel, it's everybody has the S. Mm-hmm. But in this one, it's just Jarrell. All of the other council members have different dope symbols that I, I don't I don't know what they stand for, but they're all cool crests. Um, I just thought that was interesting. It's just a just a design choice. It's probably not canon or anything to the comics. It's just interesting. No, I, um, I learned that from watching Young Justice. Uh, all the crypt- Kryptonian families have different crests. Okay, cool. So they actually the... did do something. Yeah, they actually did do something right then. I don't think um, the ones in the movie are actually from the comics. I think the designer was just like, oh, there's cool. one. <laughs> uh, I gotta mention this Marlon Brando absolutely phones in the performances to both Superman 1 and 2. Um, he's not in the second one that you watched, Tim, but he's in the Donner cut. Um, he's absolutely photo in every scene. He's actually reading cue cards in almost every scene he's in. So you'll see him like say dramatic line and then he'll pause and kind of you can see his eyes just flick off screen and keep going. When they're talking to the sun, it's the card. <laughs> you can tell. Um it's just, I don't understand why it works, but it does. Um, and yes, there's a weird digital one in Superman Returns, but it kind of works. 
I don't know what the Krypton TV series was. I don't think anyone does. But if it's it was about, just three, it's about uh, Jor El's father, right? <laughs> but All if right. it was just okay, <laughs> sure. But if it was, I don't if, even know where to if, watch it. <laughs> I don't either. It, but if it was just three seasons of old people in aluminum foil talking, I probably would have tuned in <laughs> to at least some of it. Uh, I typed in, yeah, mysterious crystal ship. Oh, yeah. It looks like a star, and they actually, um, when I noticed that they referenced it in Man of Steel, it's in the background on uh, one of the murals. Is they that actually, like and, a Star of David kind of reference? Stop. I don't think so. I yeah, think Man, I mean, this did it maybe a little bit, but Man of Steel was the one that went overboard a little bit on the the Jesus parallels. Goodness, yes. Um, well, time for a rewatch of Man of Steel. That sounds like I a you guys thing because I just watched it. <laughs> Tim, I, I wanted to see if you noticed this. There's a very interesting quote from Jarrell where he tells his son, it is forbidden for you to interfere with human history. And I thought it was, maybe this was a Christopher Nolan and the writing end decision for Man of Steel, but he totally flips the script between Jorel and um, Pa Kent. He has a name, Jonathan Kent. Um, it's just a very interesting, like the philosophies of Clark and Kal-El's respectful parents. Um, I just thought it was really interesting. You're talking right before Pa Kent died? Well, Pa Kent doesn't really make it make make a statement about what Superman is and what he can do because okay. he doesn't live that long. But uh, Jor-El in this says, you are forbidden to hear, interfere with human history. Um, and then Jor-El in Man of Steel is the opposite motivation. He's the one telling him to inspire them to be greater and, and okay, yeah, do all the right things. And uh, Kevin Costner's like, don't save me from this tornado. Can you imagine if the tornado was right by him and he just had a heart attack and died? I actually, I kind of think that would have been better because it would have been something that Superman couldn't stop. <laughs> um, also, true. another DC movie that came out recently where a main character died because of a heart attack. Spoiler, uh, Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle's father died of a heart attack. Is that George Lopez? No. No, George oh, Lopez is the crazy uncle. Oh, of course. He can't Who, be grandpa because he's still fantastic. young. <laughs> the loco tío. I really uh, like actually, that movie. Uh, I really like all the Smallville stuff in this. It actually looks like Flint Hills Country, Kansas. They wouldn't have done the Clark Young actor versus the Christopher Reeve today. Um, they would have probably de-aged or just made him just put him in different clothes. Um, but this one, it works really, really well to have like two separate people. Mm -hmm. um, the piece of kryptonite builds the Fortress of Solitude or makes it appear. Works for me, I guess. I I, I, Why in the Arctic? No point. I mean, when it comes to <laughs> stuff like get that there? in these movies, I, I don't really no. put a lot of thought into it. But it's the, the set same is gorgeous. Thing with the the powers that the Krypton, Kryptoninians have, there's too many powers and they don't make any <laughs> sense. 
Uh, I thought you were wait. saying that bad on. I thought you were mispronouncing it, but you're putting in cryptum. I'm I'm doing it on purpose. I'm mispronouncing <laughs> it probably, but I'm doing it on purpose. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like uh, Jor El put like his spaceship with all these crystals, and then one's green, and then that one has the magic ability to create a fortress, but apparently all the others are gone. I, I don't know. Goodness gracious. I thought that was going to be the kryptonite in the movie. Um, but I, I guess he's okay being around that one. I, I think I, I like that this movie really puts a focus on Clark and Kal-El Superman being like portrayed as different characters. Um, I think Christopher Reeves does a fantastic job of that. Um, I, I think I told, oh, I told Spencer one of my favorite parts of that duality of Clark Kent and Superman uh, in the first movie is when he meets Lois Lane on the balcony. They go on their little adventure. He flies. He flies off. She's just in a daze. She's like, "Oh yes, yeah, Superman. Yeah, Clark." And he like shows up and he knocks on the door. Oh, sorry, I'm late. Uh, and she's like, oh, it's fine. And he's like, are you busy? And she's like, no, just daydreaming. Well, what'd you see? Something amazing. That's and she, nice. <laughs> she walks out the door and he like looks at the camera and smirks. There's there's several times he, he basically breaks the fourth wall and looks oh, yeah. directly at the camera. And, like He does it after he stops the bullet. He looks at mm-hmm. the camera and is like, hmm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, his the distinction between the two characters is really good. Uh, I think there's sometimes um, Clark goes way overboard in being clumsy. Uh, but no, okay, well, <laughs> he just we'll throws agree him off to disagree on that. <laughs> he just throws him off his sense so much, and it, it's it's the actual stuff that makes me laugh in these movies, not the ridiculous stuff that Lester added in later, <laughs> like him just like face planting into a door and um i just think he i was telling cole this i think christopher reeve does what no one has truly done as well as him which is playing two different characters Mm -hmm. and they're very different and he manages to strike those perfectly two different characters that are still the same character because like now we have we have several characters that or several actors that have portrayed like a superpower being with multiple personalities and each one has their own power set so they're kind of their own person um and it's a great job on the actor but for christopher reeves clark kent and superman are the same person they're just being portrayed wildly different and right. so I, I think there is a little bit of distinction between those two different types of acting because uh, i, I think would... yeah i think when you talk about like spider-man and batman everyone's like well some of these play Bruce Wayne well, and some of these play Batman well. And, you know, this one does the best at both, but he's not the best at either. Um, but for me, I think Christopher Reeve might be the best at both. And he's the best in each category. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really like Henry Cavill, but I don't think he got the moments that I wanted. Right. Yeah. And I think Superman and Lois Superman, Tyler Hoechlin, He's the Andrew Garfield of the Superman 
Ooh. Like he's too he's too handsome and cool to be Clark Kent. And he's an all right super he might be too short, but he's an all right he's a pretty good Superman. <laughs> um I wrote down Big Face Jorel as King. <laughs> it's a it's a they bring it back in Superman Legacy. Um I just like the first like the first night of Superman's a really fun sequence where they're all noticing he exists and someone one of the officers is telling the other guy like all this stuff about Superman and um, he's like big red cape fine big blue and he's like I don't he's like I'll you need to get, let's take you to the bar you know um, I'll meet you over there and then they walk outside and Superman's flying away he goes first bottle's on me I'll get my hat this movie definitely is like 80s and 70s, but then it also has that 30s feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like Superman yep. comics weren't actually like this at the time. Like this was kind of a throwback movie almost. Well, I really like the beginning, how it was like that opening of the comic page of like that being the opening yeah. of the movie yeah. and zooming in and it being like the credit scene. Um, the credits were too long uh, for the opening, yeah. but, but that oh, comic part. Um, that's one of the things I kind of hope James Gunn incorporates some into Superman Legacy. Um, that is, is part of the reason that, we're watching these listeners, too. Is that opening kind of thing. Uh, are there any other things that you, you, upon watching these, do you think James Gunn should incorporate? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I James Gunn actually points out this one scene that, where Superman helps the cat out of the tree. And then he kind of just has this wry smile and he flies away. Um, he noted it just like Clark is like a very human guy. Like he just, he likes to help people. Like that's what he likes to do. Um, and he's just noted that that's something he really loved about these movies and something that he wanted to incorporate. I don't know. I don't know how you can do, they've done Superman so many times now. Um, I don't know what, I think that's a big part of it though is, Henry Cavill's just was so sad all the time, not because of Henry Cavill, just the writers and Snyder. Um, we didn't get like a a positive, inspiring Superman, even though Man of Steel was like building towards that anyway. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Um, but I do love this Lex Luthor, <laughs> which is my transition. <laughs> I think he's so great. His base makes zero sense but I love it. Um, Gene Hackman didn't want to shave his head until the end of the first movie. And so he like, that's like Gene Hackman's hair. And so I like when he's swimming, he's wearing a swimming cap, but you can still see that he has his real hair (laughs) underneath the swimming cap. Um, Margot Kidder is my other favorite part of this movie. And that was the thing I was actually, that's the thing that brings back to James Gunn. I think Rachel Brosnahan is really the closest modern equivalent. Like she is today's Margot Kidder. Um, I watched a little bit of Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is not for kids. Um, <laughs> I had to close my eyes a couple times in the first episode alone, but she's great. Um, she's definitely the Margot. She's definitely she's going to do not an impression, but she'll do a really good job as Lois Lane. Um so here's some things that I think are very good about this movie. I think the the uh, newspaper atmosphere scenes are fantastic. 
yeah, I think it's I think they tried to do something similar in Man of Steel with Perry White and Daily Planet and Batman um, eighty nine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I just don't think it has that like busyness and chaos. Uh, I, I want to say ethical, but I don't know if we really got enough for this Daily Planet to feel ethical. I think I'm getting that impression from like the opening scene. Um, but I think that's going to be very hard to translate in Superman legacy, just because I think news today has changed so much. Um, it's very much more online um, stuff like that. So I think it'll be hard to get that, that just impression. Pray. Not, everyone, just, everyone just group together for a moment and pray that the daily planet <laughs> Is not a podcast. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Has Spencer been playing Spider-Man Two? Yes. <laughs> and I just, mm, I don't think they'll do that. I think they're going to make it like the New York Times, which is a web-based, pretty much web-based mm-hmm. newsletter now, yeah. newspaper. Um, but but I, I think they can still do it. It's just going to be different. I, I think they'll still have to balance that relationship between Clark and Lois. Yeah. And that um Superman and Lois made it more in into a war. they made it more into a news channel, which is an angle comics have made in the past. Like yeah. Clark Clark Kent actually around when these movies were made was a news anchor. Yeah. As a job. So Really? Mm-hmm. Well, and I haven't well, finished this show, but that's one of the best parts about the uh, my adventures with Superman is the uh, the relationship that Jimmy Lois and Clark had as reporters. Yes. Um, and uh, so that's that's one thing that I think James Gunn will probably integrate into his movie. Uh, I think one thing that this movie did poorly, but also. Well, um, maybe it was just didn't age well, but the flight scene, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Uh, I think it was too long, and her little thought monologue thing was weird. Yeah, I was like, Superman read minds? (laughs) No, he can't. That's why she's still talking because he doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't notice it. It's not great, but um. I think that's one of those things that just probably didn't age well because I think it was too long, and I, I like I think the effects. If that was done today, the effects would have been so much better. Um, I but, mean, Christopher Reeve put so much acting work in the flying; it's the only reason that it works. Yeah. Um, and I, we're gonna wrap up and move to Superman two in a second, but um, Lex has a couple good moments. But when he kind of entraps Superman to get the kryptonite around his neck, he doesn't do any work at all. Like, this Lex is not putting on a battle suit or anything. No. But he's still winning most of the time in the first one. I did that real estate. It's got to get that real estate. I love Australia. <laughs> all about real estate. That's the second one. Oh, that's the second one. Um, Dang it. <laughs> Australia. Um, but he uses that sound frequencies thing. That yeah. was great. Yeah, That, that was, was really cool. fun. I mean, Gene Hackman is just pretty much perfect casting at the time. Um, all the model work. So they did a lot of model work for when the missile goes off in the Hoover Dam. The Hoover Dam model blowing up. Chef's kiss. 
Um, the time travel sequence is something that I love. I think it it's wild. It begs more questions maybe than it's worth, but I still love it. I love he's going up to start the time travel and Jarrell is faces in the clouds. <laughs> you are forbidden to interfere with human history. Um, still great. I think it really... He, he Superman gets lots of magic powers that he's not supposed to have in these movies. Um, the first one, it's just time travel. The second one expands that. Um, but I think it's it's my favorite part of the movie. But it clearly shows that the writers never picked up a comic because he can do a lot of things. Superman cannot do that. <laughs> and reversing the um, rotation of the Earth is not how time travel doesn't rotate time itself. But you know what he can do in the comics? He can uh, kiss people to wipe their memory, which he does wondering. in Superman 2. He does in the theatrical cut of Superman 2. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't do that in the Donner cut? <laughs> no. I'm surprised that he can do that in the comics, though. I didn't know that. But moving on to Superman 2. Um, that's I think what we a... call a nice segue. Yeah. I think... Um, Superman 2 is interesting. It should be taken note of today that you can make a sequel that relates a lot to the first one without it being a part one, part two. Because they flat out do the whole Zod getting, uh, Zod and his goons getting put in the Phantom Zone in the first movie. And they don't, we don't see them ever again, the entire first movie. And then we see them in the second movie. Um, that's something you can only do if you fill them back to back like that, but it still, it still works. Mm-hmm. Um, does anyone have anything they'd like to mention about Superman two? <laughs> I love it. I think it made okay. me appreciate man of steel more because <laughs> before, I... before watch, hold on Spencer, before yes. watching, Go. Superman 2. Like, I'm just going to level with you guys. Man of Steel is not my favorite movie. It's like, it's a background movie for me. I'm not going to sit there and watch it. Man of um, Steel? And then, yes. And I can pick out, I before re-watching it after Superman 2, I could pick out, like, these oddly specific scenes Obviously, the whole beginning where they put Zod in the Phantom Zone or whatever, or not, yeah, they put him in the Phantom Zone. Um, pa Kent being swept up by the tornado. I remember that. Uh, the bus scene. Um, Richard Schiff. Huh? <laughs> Richard that Schiff. Too. That too. Um, and then the and then the um, him snacking, snapping Zod's neck. But I couldn't tell you. How Zod got there. I couldn't tell you any of the filler between any of those moments. But now that I've watched Superman 2, I was like, oh, God. And then I went back and watched Man of Steel. I was like, oh, man, this is such a good movie. (laughs) So, Cole, you did not go back to watch the theatrical cut of Superman 2. I ran out of time. Totally fine. I didn't ask you to. (laughs) I... Tim, it was gonna, in the plans. Tim watched the theatrical cut. Most of it. And then I watched some clips of the uh, Donner cut. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Um, this is a take. I will openly admit that the theatrical cut of Superman 2 is not the best thing in the world. I think I like the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 more than Superman 1. Oh, for sure. Um, I think it's I a better movie than Superman 1, and it's a better cut. Of, it's a better version than Superman 2. I wasn't cut. wild about Superman 1. I literally sat here and went, what did I just watch? Like, when the bad guy's whole plan is real estate. I guess His plan but is I guess still real estate, the 70s, but there's more bad guys in the second <laughs> There are more bad. But I guess, like, we're just so we're so used to now of okay zod's the villain is going to do something world ending not i want real estate like we're used to thanos we're used to the modern zod whatever but yeah i was like this movie it was it was kind of boring to me uh, and that's slower. something uh i think the the second movie does some well, they made the stakes higher in the sense that there's three Kryptoninians that have various set of powers. None of them make sense. Um, but at the same time, they're pretty goofy. Uh, so they still kind of have that sense of let's Luther kind of goofiness um, while at the same time being separate from let's Luther. Um, so I, I do agree this, this escalates the stakes more from the first one, but still being very much separate from modern superhero movies as far as what's the stake? Well done. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, uh, would you like to hear some differences to... Uh, yes. Okay, the tone is completely less comedic, and so most of the big brute Zod Kryptonian doesn't speak at all in the Donner Cut. Um, he makes that really makes bad jokes second. in the Lester Cut. more line with the beginning of the first movie. <laughs> um, the first thing that's changed is when Superman throws the first missile into space, it hits the Phantom Zone square, um, and that lets Zod and them out. And so it's directly affecting from the first movie. Uh, I think in the original cut, they just show up. Um, Zod puts his face on Mount Rushmore. It's not in the original cut. Um, and then the main piece that's different is Lois has a lot more to do. Um, and she also has a lot more hand in discovering that Superman's Clark Kent. Um, and so the main scene that, go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, I'm trying to remember in, in the theatrical one, he drops Clark his glasses falls, in the fire. Yeah. And then falls onto the fire and that's how she finds out in the Donner yeah. one. Doesn't she shoot him with the, yeah, with so, the blank, but with yes, blank. which is super clever. So well, I don't remember if she does this, Tim, in the first one in the, the theatrical cut, but. She pitches herself off the Daily Planet building. That she was knows he's gonna funny. Save her. That was and so then he, he tricks her into, he saves her, but also makes her think that he didn't save her. 
And then later on, she has a scene and it's amazing how they reconstructed the scene because they had lost the original footage, but they had screen test footage. And so they were able to put it together and put them in another set. I mean, they put them in the set digitally. Um, and it's, yeah, this whole conversation where she goes, well, I, Lois is like, well, I figured it out. It's because I risk my life, not yours. And he, she makes him think that she's really going to kill, shoot him. And then as soon as she shoots the, the gun, the fake gun, but he doesn't know the gun, he like immediately changes from Clark to Superman, and like actually straightens up and he takes his glasses off. She's like, it is you. He goes, you realize if you had been wrong, Clark Kent would have been dead. And she goes, with a blank? <laughs> I think it's just more fun. Um, I think she's crazy in, in that version, but I think that means more sense than him falling into fire. It also adds up with Margot Kidder's Lois Lane is crazy. <laughs> she's crazy. Um, most new, uh, most Lois's are, though. <laughs> My Adventures with Superman definitely had that energy, too. Um, yeah, she jumps off a building to prove he's Superman. Yes. Um, what is it? There's two fights in the Fortress of Solitude at the end, in the theatrical cut, where Superman does all these weird things, um, including, but not limited to, taking off his S thing and throwing it on the bad guys, and it makes a little tent around them. Um, he doesn't do any of that in the dark. <laughs> I don't um, remember that at all, but that was probably very close that. to the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did but you Superman know in the comics do... that uh, Superman can shoot a clone out of himself from his hand? Not. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, Jarrell is in the Donner cut. Um, he had budget. He he kept asking for more money or something. So they ended up just cutting him out of the movie so that they wouldn't have to pay him as much in the end. Um, but he was dead by the time they make the Donner cut. So it didn't matter. Um, so Lara has a very short, very weird conversation with Clark when he decides to lose his powers. Whereas the Donner cut is a much, it's just a more filled out scene because that was the original storyline. Like Jorah has more conversations with him and he also gets his powers back through Jor-El. Um, so Jor-El's like, basically he sacrifices the crystal that makes his system by putting it into Clark and that's how he gets his powers back. And it's kind of weird. From Power what? Rangers? I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's not directly a crystal, but like Marlon Brando takes all of his energies and puts it into basically making what Russell Crowe looks like in the Man of Steel movies, but it's Marlon Brando. And then he comes up and touches his son's shoulder and like he gets the power back and Jor-El disappears. So it's, it doesn't make Superman Returns make sense. But it's like Jor-El sacrifices himself, but what's left of himself to give Clark Superman again. Which is cool. Um, but yeah, he still does the cool thing where he turns all of the bad guys normal, but saves it protects himself it's really really great and then just uh, throws as, them in a hole yeah and i love how he uses lex luther to like um trick him <laughs> like he does a triple cross with lex luther um lex Luthor betrays him immediately <laughs> as he predicted um yeah lex is more fun in this one but yeah i think it's just it's much better uh oh the last part tim you're gonna 
roll your eyes at this. So he doesn't do the magic kiss. But you know what? What does he do, Cole? I freaking hate it. He reverses time <laughs> Is again. It better than a magical kiss. <laughs> he goes. He reverses time again. But this time he reverses the whole movie. <laughs> like he goes all the way back to the beginning of the movie. Oh, that doesn't solve it. It gets rid of. Well, he throws the missile a different direction and it doesn't release Zod in them. And then none of the events of Superman 2 happen. So you're saying that in Superman Legacy, Otis could be a character and. No. (laughs) No! I freaking hate Otis! I like Otis. I really. I, I, I like him in small amounts. But Which I just what like him, him because in. of the banter between Luther and him. Um, it's not really again. between them. It's in directed at your, Otis. <laughs> in spite of your cat-like reflexes. <laughs> do you know what 200 has to do with both of us? That's my <laughs> IQ and your weight. <laughs> oh, dang. I forgot to... What I, What was it that I sent you? I sent you something, Spencer. Let me look through our texts. But there was some crazy quote from Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor that was like, it was along the lines of that. <laughs> I also kind of like how Otis says Luthor rather than Luther. It's really small and it doesn't make it's how, sense. It's a, but the it's more the you ben think Affleck. about it, the more it makes sense. It's, ben it's the Ben Affleck too. No, Ben and- Affleck says, Bruce Wayne says it that way. He says Lex oh. Luthor. <laughs> don't know why. Like a hammer. It makes more sense because there's other names Luther that are spelled with an er. This um, is not a whole conversation, but uh, it should be mentioned that they've retconned Christopher Reeve Superman universe to be with the same as the Michael Keaton Batman universe. Yeah. In comics, um, and Cole and I talked about this, and uh, in we decided Mar- that Mando, the Flash uh, doesn't Wonder count. Woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they brought in the Linda Carter Wonder Woman as well. But we've decided that the Flash Michael Keaton is probably a variant of the 89 Keaton. Yeah, because like, cause as I, I pointed out to him, that Gotham was dark. It and would never be fixed. It would never be fixed. Wait, which Flash are you talking about? The, the Flash movie. The movie. Um, so that we're saying that, my, that Michael Keaton has to be a variant of the Batman 89 because the Batman 89 a is so dark, but B has been retconned to be in the Christopher Reeve universe. Or you could say that's a variant of this one. I don't, I don't know. It's weird, but um, I love it. And I, and Cole and I, we didn't mention it enough because we're wrapping up the episode, but Lex Luthor's hilarious in the second one. Yes, Um, I love the weird hologram thing he does in the prison. All of the funny, all the funny stuff where he's saved by Miss Tessmacher in the hot air balloon. She goes like, we lost Spencer. Thinking of a parka. <laughs> <laughs> like he that just does not care about Miss Tessmacher. Miss Tessmacher. <laughs> why, why is Luthor a real estate investor Mogul. guy? <laughs> but he's invented a super high pitched thing that can only be heard by Dodds and Superman. And he's also invented a hollow projector. 
And he's he's also made a um, radar that is the only radar that can track Superman. Yeah, like these scenes are very money making ideas. Well, it's like he said, Tim. All those things fade away, but what doesn't fade away is land. <laughs> I guess that's true. Stupid. So funny though. I really Speaking like these of, movies. Uh, variants, uh, you all should watch uh, first episode of Invincible season two. That's all I'll say about that. And sadness. <laughs> we are gonna we are gonna review those things. Um, we're just waiting for full seasons or part of seasons to come out. <laughs> um, there's no point. Yeah, it was just so much work. So, um, any other thoughts before we wrap up? None for me. Lex Luthor tried to take Australia. I think that's. Oh, I found that quote. Um, Kevin Spacey said to the not not Miss Techmacher, "What did my dad?" Or and he's got Lois, and he's like, "What did my father always say to me?" And Miss not not Miss Techmacher said, "Son, you're losing hair." <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> the other thing. That's and what then Gene like, Hackman said something like that to the. the and they thing. have. They have. I thought it was hilarious in Superman Returns that they had the wigs like Gene Hackman's Superman. And there was like this weird, frightening sideways shot of dun, dun, dun (laughs) to the wigs and Lois gasp. (gasps) That was so weird. So weird. Also, Superman, Christopher Reeve's Superman is better at crashing a plane and not destroying it than Brandon Ralph in Superman Returns. Superman, the animated series, he almost kills everyone on board, but he still saves the plane. <laughs> hey, he does better than Homelander. <laughs> Listen, I just, I just love these movies. I think they're very foundational for comic book films. Um, they set the course. Yeah, three and four were bad, but these first two were mostly positively received. Second one, not as much. The Donner Cut. It, also, like the Donner Cut is just... It was the Snyder Cut before the Snyder Cut. Yeah. And so I think it's cool to mention that. Um, it would be good to note that um, we are sad that, you know, Chris Reeve and um, Dick Donner have passed on. Um, but they will be missed, and we're thankful for what they did. That's all I'm going to say about that. Cole and I looked up some stuff uh, about both of them. But anyway. (laughs) Well, Christopher Reeve had a, he had a condition, um, like acroplasia or whatever, that makes you lose hair. So he wore a wig. Superman wore a wig in Superman 3 and 4, actually. Hmm. Um, Some of the pictures we found were wild. So Christopher Reeve, well, no, it it, it was like early, early in life, like not the same pattern, not not pattern baldness. Oh. Yeah, um, I, I, there's someone else famous that has had it, but I don't remember who it is. Jada Pickett um, Smith. Yeah, actually, right? No, yes, no, I was being serious. So she really does have it, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's getting some, some weird Anyway, so stories. Christopher Reeve used to wear, sometimes he wore wigs. He did in the Smallville show, but yeah, he, took, he had some Lex Luthor energy because he was bald. But... Um, so we're thankful for what both of them did for both of their their characters and their movies uh, and I'm thankful we got to review these mm-hmm. so next time on the podcast we have the biggest 
Marvel Monthly maybe we've done in a long time because Loki Season 2, oh. which has been bananas. I'm still shaking my head in confusion about the fifth episode. Listen, you can't say the MCU's in shambles because of how Loki's doing great. Loki's fantastic. Um, I, 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 if you say that next week. <laughs> I think I have like four or five things, topics to talk about. And two of those are Loki season two and the Marvels. There's just so much to unpack. Echo trailer dropped. Um, they're changing formats and how they're releasing stuff. Daredevil Born Again is just, just struggling. <laughs> Blade might exist. Oh, Blade almost died, yeah. I mean, it's if almost it died like three times. Wonder Man's, I think Wonder Man's gone. A bunch of stuff's been cut. So I don't, cut. I anyway, don't think I'm sad about Wonder Man. I, I just think if they had done Nathan Fillion, I would have watched it. Uh, for lack of better words, I want Vision's quest to be mm-hmm. in, uh, final finalized, but I don't know if a whole show about it is the right way to do it. Yeah. They've also they've also added modern spot Marvel Spotlight, which we'll have to mention on the Marvel Monthly. I'll talk about it then. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I don't know any fun Superman quotes to end it with. My brain's just on Lex Luthor saying Australia, <laughs> which is our sponsor, by the way. Truth, oh, yeah, justice, and fandom done right. Oh, that's our sponsor. I'll throw it in the middle or something. Okay. I'll record it now, though. Superman wants you. To stop smoking. It's <laughs> the only one that doesn't smoke. <laughs> no, the movie was. Oh, we didn't even. We yeah, didn't the mention one the rollerblades guy. Oh, the rollerblades guy too. Oh my gosh, he's in both cuts, Tim. Yay! We got the because he was in the Lester cut, and they had to put that in because they were trying to complete the movie, and so the the weird rollerblades guy was in both cuts of it. Um, But anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.